Welcome to the Ben Wood Johnson Podcast. You can visit Dr. Johnson's blog at benwoodpost.com. Dr. Johnson's works can be found at drbenwoodjohnson.com. You can also support Dr. Johnson on Patreon, the link to which is in the description. Hey, welcome to you all. Uh, welcome to the Benwood Johnson Podcast. Uh, today is October the 12th, 2020. This is podcast number 56. Very happy to have you here one more time to talk about philosophy. In this episode, we are going to continue our conversation about the notion of freedom. And uh, particularly today, we're going to focus on uh, the coronavirus, how the virus has sort of um, put out in the open the reality of people in society. I've always said that a lot of people are convinced they're free. Um, I don't know if it is because they don't know they're not free or it is because they're in bad faith. They know they're not free, but they're pretending otherwise. In this podcast, I am going to discuss how the coronavirus sort of made it made it clear that nobody is free. Um, during the pandemic, we saw how uh, people with powers, people with authorities, just took over individual authority or the individual freedom or whatever since there was in society. So we saw how the coronavirus sort of made it easier for people to sort of take away your fundamental rights, fundamental rights to be a certain way, to be in your person, to sort of um, exist a certain way. So without further ado, let us delve right into it. said in uh, several of my podcasts that, you know, the term freedom, it's an elastic terminology. And the reason I have said that it's not necessarily because I'm trying to be fictitious or anything like that. It's just like freedom means different things to different people. So we have a tendency to sort of see freedom, our freedom, or the freedom that others supposedly enjoy differently. Sometimes we do so because we simply cannot fathom freedom from the other's perspective or from the perspective of somebody else. Other times we just do it, as Jean-Paul Sartre would say, out of bad faith. So we sort of refuse to acknowledge the reality of the world around us. And we sort of refuse to accept our own reality, let alone to accept the reality that others experience on a daily basis. But recently something happened in the world that sort of forced all of us to sort of come to term with our reality. Of course, that does not mean we could not still be in mauvaise foi or bad faith. But we were sort of confronted with a reality, and we are still confronted. We are still confronting that reality to this day. 
because as of today the reality of the coronavirus is is still affecting us as a, as a people as a nation as a species back in april um april 27th uh 2020 i posted a podcast episode the title of the episode was uh stay at home orders and civil liberties in this particular podcast i talked about the implications of staying at home orders the notion of quarantine and the dishonesty that i at the time could was able to sort of decipher from the debate uh between those who were sort of pro opening the states or opening the country and those who were sort of against it so at the end of the day as i pointed out in this podcast you could go back and listen to it it was not about you nothing was done or was said on behalf of you you at the time who probably were were suffering from the coronavirus they weren't talking about you you at the time were probably going through some difficult financial times and they weren't talking about you you at the time were probably quarantined somewhere stuck somewhere didn't have a job things were sort of started to look gloomy you know difficult they weren't talking about you so at the end of the day it was not about you but let's let's go back to the point at issue here today's podcast is the coronavirus and freedom or you could reverse that you could say freedom and the coronavirus and that is to the extent that freedom and coronavirus could go together or freedom at the time of a pandemic is it something that we could envision is it is it fallacious to to say well we're free In the previous podcast I talked about how people tend to think they're free, how people tend to claim they're free when in fact they're not. Your nature does not allow you to be free. It's against your nature to be free. At least as freedom is understood. If freedom means you are unbound, unrestricted, then you cannot be free. Because every human being is wired to nature, to the natural, to that extent you are part of the natural and you couldn't you could not be free from the natural. And so to that extent, to that degree, you are always going to be an element of the natural. Therefore, everything you do or anything you don't do is going to be incumbent upon what your nature would allow you to do or what your nature would allow you to omit from doing. And the same is true when you live in a society and a social environment, okay? In, in general, the society has rules, principles, boundaries, limits, restrictions that are in place, and those restrictions are designed to prevent you from being you because being you your natural self is a wild you is a savage you it wouldn't make sense for a wild human being to be in a society society was designed to take away the savage nature of the person 
And just by that terminology alone, you could see how you cannot be free. Because in order for you to be a part of society, you have to abide by certain rules. Therefore, you have to relinquish, relinquish your nature. And by that logic alone, you could not be free. Because in order for you to be, according to the rules set forth by society, you would have to stop being you. Of course, it's impossible. You could not not be you. It's impossible. So it's a struggle. It's a source of anguish. It's a source of pain. It's a source of turmoil in the person. Because the person is expected to be a certain way. He is striving to be that way. But his nature always takes him back to his natural state of being. Which is the opposite of the being he's expected to be in a society. So the person can never be free. The person lives in an internal state of conflict. Where he knows what his nature is telling him to do or to be. Who his nature is telling him to be. He also knows that there are rules in society in which he implicitly or explicitly agreed to be, to abide by. But yet he cannot, he cannot control himself. He cannot stop himself from being himself. He cannot abide by the rules he so agreed, perhaps implicitly or explicitly to follow or to, agree, to abide by. And he has to force himself. He lives in this, in this eternal pain, agony, in which he's constantly striving to be himself and also he's constantly striving not to be himself and the being is this eternal state of conflict who am I where I am from where I am going what's the purpose of myself here because on the one hand I know I have the intrinsic sense of who I am but when I look around I have all those indicators that are telling me you're not supposed to be this way you're not supposed to be that way and everything they're telling me that I am not supposed to be and that is precisely who I was designed to be. And the person is this eternal state of conflict. Once in a while he snaps. Once in a while he loses it. But the idea that freedom is something that we have the ultimate power to decide is nonsensical. We're not free in nature. We're not free in society. We are in bondage. It's an eternal state of bondage. So the coronavirus came and complicated that reality. Because you see, even though we live in a society, or we live in a society whereby there are certain rules in which we know we are supposed to abide by those rules. We know we are supposed to be according to certain expectations. We know that. But when the coronavirus hit, it complicates our existence. Because even the, the, the basic rules that we had established no longer apply. So we have to adjust to new rules, which we did not abide by. To new realities, new circumstances, which we did not foresee, could not foresee, could not envision. And we were expected to behave a certain way within those parameters. And that complicates our existence. So when we're talking about freedom and the coronavirus, you realize that there's something missing. And that is, can we be free? Could we be free? Is it even fathomable to imagine a reality in which we enjoy something akin to freedom during the coronavirus? The answer is inevitably 
irrevocably? No. Now, the coronavirus is a unfortunate reality for the human species. But there's nothing novel to it. There is absolutely nothing new to the coronavirus. To the extent that we have gone through things like that before. We have gone, we have experienced moments like these before. Now what sets the coronavirus apart from other moments, other realities, is that we have never been affected in such a large scale the way that we did or con continually we are still affected by the coronavirus. And the fear that the coronavirus brought along with has never been that palpable in other instances because the coronavirus was so real and its effect can be so fast. People have fallen. So many people have fallen from this disease. So many people have succumbed, have died from this malady. So we knew from the start that the coronavirus was no joke. Still is no joke. So that creates a sense of fear, even though places, countries have taken drastic measures, the coronavirus is still coming back. It's still there. There's a resurgence of coronavirus cases in, in various places in the world. But why is that? Many people wore masks. They practiced social distancing. And they did this, they did that. Somehow, the coronavirus is still there. Of course, our conversation today is not about the coronavirus itself. But the point I am trying to illustrate here is that we were asked to make concessions. And some of the concessions we were asked to make had something to do with our liberties, or perhaps our freedom, or the sense thereof, or the sense of that. And even though we did those sacrifices, the coronavirus seems to be going its way. There seems to be something else, which, again, this is not the point of this conversation. Perhaps time will tell what happened or what's happening. Because somehow, the virus is still making its way. It seems like there's something else going on here that we don't know yet about this virus. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take precautions. I'm not, that's what I'm suggesting here. I'm just making the point that Somehow, there's something else going on that we don't know yet. Perhaps time will tell. At some point, we were like, oh, okay, that's what was happening. But to go back to the question of freedom. During the coronavirus, it was evident to a lot of people that they weren't free at all. It became evident to a lot of individuals that they weren't free at all. And, and, and whatever sense of freedom they had that was snatched away it was taken from them and the callousness in which local officials even at the federal level here in America try to control restrict the individual it was sort of an indication unequivocal indication that you're not free brother you, you cannot pretend to be free you don't own yourself you can't go from point A to point B without us allowing you to do that. You can't. That's the reality a lot of people had to wake up to during the coronavirus. It was evidently a very difficult reality. 
you were being told that you can't go from this point to that point, or you have to be sitting, you have to be here, you have to be there, you have to be quarantined. Those were specific rules, specific orders given to you, and which you had absolutely no say, and you had no recourse whatsoever. So even per the rules of our society, or the mechanisms in which we could appeal decisions made against against us, like there's absolutely no way we could say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that without putting yourself in danger of harm by those who thought they had the authority to, to take away what is the most valuable possession you have, your sense of freedom. So the coronavirus was sort of like clear that you are not free. In other words, nobody has rights. And the collective matters the most. Of course, we have talked about the collective in other podcasts in terms of who the collectives are, uh, what co- or who constitute the collective, and we've talked about the individuals themselves or the collectives, right? But somehow there's this disconnect between who the individual is and who the collective is. And those who were sort of in position to decide who the collective is acted as if they themselves were the collective, Okay. It was quite amazing to watch. And I think now there's a lot of hysteria about the coronavirus, uh, especially here in America, because it's it's an election year. And, uh, you know, people have different viewpoints. To me, it's not clear what's really happening. Now, I'm hoping after the election, we will have a a clearer understanding as to what is really going on in terms of of the coronavirus. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm hoping, at least here in America, I'm hoping after the election, whoever wins, that there's going to be a much more uh, sensical approach, a much more cold-headed, if you will, approach to this problem, because it's a real problem. To this day, a lot of people are getting infected, infected, and people are still dying from this disease. And some of the people who are dying from the disease are not necessarily dying because because they don't know what to do or they're not doing what they're asked to do. Somehow there is a lapse. I don't know where that lapse is. I don't know where what's going on in society. Like it, it, we don't seem to have a handle to that coronavirus. Yeah, those who want to win an election are going to tell you that it's the president that is responsible, right? And those who don't want to lose the election are going to tell you, well, it's not the coronavirus. The coronavirus is not that important. So at the end of the day, you do not really know what is going on, okay? And the scientific community is sort of in between, because we don't don't know who's saying what. And like I said, I'm hoping uh, by the end of the election cycle, we will have a better a handle of the coronavirus. That that that, that we're gonna sit back with 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 cooler heads and try to make sense of the coronavirus and and try to come up with 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 policies that are sensible, uh, with, with with approaches that are that make sense. And to the extent that you know we don't infringe on whatever liberty that people have left uh, as a result of the pandemic. But the idea that you are free. Uh, you get to be, you get to do however you want, whenever you want. Uh, the coronavirus sort of became evident that you do not have any freedom. Uh, because at the end of the day, you found yourself in a situation where co- the collective matters the most. Okay? And the individual, in all his glory, is forced to be. The individual, in all his 
perceived freedom or sense of freedom is cornered. He's expected to be a certain way. He's expected to act a certain way. And failure of him not to do what he's expected to do could have um, dire consequences for him. So at the end of the day, the reality sort of goes against any notion of freedom. Now, there's also something important we have to point out. Um, The way the virus has been handled is not only an indication that the individual is not free, but it is also a way of telling the individual, you are not suited, you are not able to take care of yourself. And it is almost this paternalistic approach to who the individual is, who the individual should be. Um, we, we have to understand um, the concept of freedom in society in relation to society itself. Um, when we speak of freedom and we talk about the individual is supposed to be, um, you have to ask yourself, why would the individual be if the individual is not in a situation where being is incumbent upon something else? And to illustrate what I'm saying here is that let us assume that um, we lived in a jungle, okay? Let us assume that the individual lived alone somewhere, okay? Where there were no other individuals around him. Would it matter that the individual wears a mask or not? That's, That's an interesting question. And the reason it matters that the individual wears a mask or not is because the individual is living amongst others. And some of these individuals are vulnerable, whether we're talking about elderly people, young kids and whatnot. So there's something about the individual himself that precludes him from being free. And that something, as I'm trying to articulate here, is the fact that the individual lives in a a society. And as a result, the mere fact that he is in this society, he could not be free because his beingness is incumbent upon that of others. And whatever he does or omits from doing could affect others either positively or negatively, and most likely negatively. In the case of the coronavirus, not wearing a mask or not abiding by the rules which are designed to take away your individuality could ultimately affect your individuality. Because what happened is that if you are not careful for yourself, then you could ultimately become a problem for others. And that's the dichotomy which we have to understand when we talk about freedom. Because in order for you to be free, you would have to be free. First of all, free. And free means not attached, not dependent on, not having any, um, you know, obligation or any duty to. Um, and, and that way you could at least claim to be free, even if you might not be to some, to some extent. But you couldn't even claim to be free in a society. So the coronavirus sort of put that in exerg. The coronavirus sort of put it, puts it out there where it's, it became evident that you couldn't be free because whatever you do is somehow somewhat intertwined with others. Okay, so you are supposed to be, you are expected to be a certain way, but it is also a way of telling you that you cannot be for you. 
You could not. We do, we do not expect you to take care of you. We do not expect you to look after you. And that is why we are gonna we are going to tell you how you should be. We are going to tell you what we expect you to be and how we expect you to be. Okay. It is paternalistic because it undermines the individual. It takes away the individuality. Okay. Because at the end of the day, wearing a mask should be an individual thing. Social distancing should be an individual thing. It shouldn't be to a point where you're being told it's either you do this or you're not going to get this. Or like you say in certain places where it says it's either you wear a mask or you're not going to be allowed here. Have you seen the television? Have you seen YouTube? Have you seen the videos of so many people who have sort of fought the system and lost? You can't win. If you don't want to wear a mask, you're going to lose because it's the collective. It's the collective that takes precedence on your individuality. So it is paternalistic because it takes away you as a person. It, it takes away you, your decision to be. Whether or not it's a good decision, according to somebody's perspective about what's good or that, but at the end of the day, you of sort of you have you've lost your ability to make to make a decision for you. Whether it's a good or a bad decision, okay? You have lost that. And that's one of the things that we learned during the coronavirus is that individuals were sort of like, no. You, you cannot make good decisions therefore we're going to force you to make those decisions okay we're going to require you we've always been required to make decisions we've always been forced to make decisions almost every aspect of our lives are forced you're forced to go to school forced to get a job forced to get a, a wife forced to this for like almost everything about our lives or force i mean our imposed our duties our expectations uh our obligations to some extent okay so right there we cannot talk about freedom there so the coronavirus sort of made it more evident okay if we don't realize we've never been free then the coronavirus sort of made it clear that we have never been free if even after that we can't see we are not free then i don't i don't know how how else we're going to come to consensus as to as to we're not free the point here is this whenever we're talking about freedom you have to understand that you are not free for two main reasons. The first reason is that your nature does not allow it. There's nothing in your nature that makes you free. Okay? You could be unrestricted to a certain extent. You could be unlimited, at least. You could have a certain leeway to get away with certain things in nature. But at the end of the day, you are not free. And the other reason is that society itself was designed to take away any sense of freedom that you might have. And living in a society automatically takes away any sense of freedom you might have. And there's no way around that. So long as you live in a social milieu, whatever you think of you is irrelevant. Because the milieu itself is going to take over at a moment's notice. In the case of the coronavirus, it was evident that you couldn't claim any sense of freedom. You were not free. You couldn't claim to be that way because the will of the, of the collective or those who acted on behalf of the collective um, was more pertinent or had more value, had more relevance than your will as an individual. And those who dare to challenge the system paid a hefty price uh, because they weren't going to win this fight. So the point is this. Freedom as we think we have it is a fallacy and the coronavirus is a prime example of that. Mm -hmm.